You're listening to audio from the Cathedral Church of the Advent in Birmingham, Alabama, a church with the heart for the gospel. Find out more at adventbirmingham.org. Thankful for uh, the opportunity um, to preach uh, today. It's an honor to be here. Uh, Just like uh, every other church and business and organization uh, in America, these last few days have been challenging uh, for our church. And given uh, the role that I have uh, in service to our church, I spent a lot of time thinking about systems and uh, structures, uh, doing a lot of work behind uh, the scenes. Uh, and this invitation uh, to preach has been welcome because uh, it has allowed me, uh, by God's grace, to slow down and to listen Uh, to God by His Word and Spirit. And it's given me an opportunity uh, to put uh, into practice uh, during my preparation a a great word of wisdom that I received uh, when I was in college. And it said, if you wait until the last minute, it only takes you a minute. And so, uh, despite all of uh, what is going on, uh, we believe that God has a word uh, for His people today. And so, uh, we're going to turn to the Gospel of Matthew, in chapter 8, and I'll read verses 1 uh, to 17. Hear God's Word uh, to us today. When He, Jesus, came down from the mountain, great crowds followed Him. And behold, a leper came to Him and knelt before Him, saying, Lord, if You will, You can make me clean. And Jesus stretched out his hand and touched him, saying, I will be clean. And immediately his leprosy was cleansed, and Jesus said to him, See that you say nothing to anyone, but go, show yourself to the priest, and offer the gift that Moses commanded for a proof to them. When he had entered Capernaum, a centurion came forward to him, appealing to him, Lord, my servant is lying paralyzed at home, suffering terribly. And he said to him, I will come and heal him. But the centurion replied, Lord, I am not worthy to have you come under my roof, but only say the word, and my servant will be healed. For I too am a man under authority with soldiers under me, and I say to one, go, and he goes, and to another, come, and he comes, and to my servant, do this, and he does it. When Jesus heard it, he marveled and said to those who followed him, truly I tell you, with no one in Israel have I found such faith. I tell you, many will come from east and west and recline at table with Abraham, Isaac, and Jacob in the kingdom of heaven, while the sons of the kingdom will be thrown into outer darkness. In that place there will be weeping and gnashing of teeth. And to the centurion, Jesus said, Go, let it be done for you as you have believed. And the servant was healed at that very moment. And when Jesus entered Peter's house, he saw his mother-in-law lying sick with a fever. He touched her hand, and the fever left her, and she rose and began to serve him. That evening they brought to him many who were oppressed by demons, and he cast out spirits with a word and healed all who were sick. This was to fulfill what was spoken by the prophet Isaiah. He took our illnesses and bore our diseases. Let's pray. Lord, come now. And speak to us by your word. These are anxious 
times for us, and we need Your help and the ministry of Your Spirit. And so we ask in the reading and the preaching of Your Word that You would minister Your grace to us. So hear us, O Lord, in the name of Jesus, our Savior. Amen. I cannot count uh, the number of times in the last few days where uh, I've been in a conversation uh, with another person and there's been a pause in the conversation and we just look at each other and say, this is crazy. These are insane times that we are in. Over the past few days, uh, our world has changed and we don't know when normal will return or what normal will look like when it does return. I read that the Lenten preaching series in Advent is in its 113th year. And I can't imagine uh, that before yesterday there were any services that took place in a completely empty nave. And I can assure you that from this perspective, preaching to an uh, empty sanctuary, uh, from this perspective, this is anything but normal for me. But what has been so disorienting is the speed at which we have experienced these changes. A wave of breaking news comes and it knocks us down, and before we can stand up, there is another wave of bad news coming our way. I found myself with two opposing approaches when it comes to the news. One minute I am glued, I am transfixed and engrossed in what is going on. And then the next minute I'm frightened and I want to hide and not pay attention. And it seems as though we have all experienced a kind of collective powerlessness As this virus spreads across the globe, the thin veil of power and control that we thought we had over life has been ripped apart. And this turmoil has caused us to feel emotions that we would rather not experience. It might be someone who is in an at-risk population right now, wondering what's going to happen to me if I get this virus. And if I get this virus... Will there be a hospital bed for me? Or the fear of a small business owner who's wondering if her business can make it through a prolonged period of social distancing, or her employees who now find themselves without income. Or it might be the disappointment of a high school or college athlete not getting to finish his final season that he spent countless hours practicing and preparing for, or it's the frazzled parent unsure of how they will handle the 22-day weekend that was given by their children's school, or if the fear that the 22-day weekend is going to turn into a really, really long summer break, or perhaps it's a medical professional worried that he has contracted the virus and then worried if He is endangering those He is trying to help. A virus that is the size of a hundredth of a micron 
has upended our world, a particle that is 900 times smaller than the width of a human hair has reminded us of our own smallness and of our own weakness. A virus that is beyond our control has pressed on us our own limitations and our own finitude. We are reminded that we are not the Lord of life. And frankly, we don't do a good job of even faking as though we are in control. And if I sound a little dark and gloomy to this point in the sermon, I would remind you that I am Presbyterian and that dark and gloomy are one of our more endearing qualities that we possess. Um, But I hope to bring a word of hope and a word of comfort to those who are anxious today. In our text, we have Jesus who is coming off the mountain. After preaching the Sermon on the Mount, the most famous sermon of all time, and in this passage, we have a set of three miracles, three sets of miracles that Jesus performs. And for the sake of time, we're not going to look in detail at them at all, but I want to point out one or two things briefly concerning these miracles. First, notice that these were miracles that were all performed on outcasts in Jewish society, whether uh, by disease or nationality or gender. uh, These were people, uh, not people of influence, not people of high esteem. Jesus pursued. He healed those people who were on the outskirts of society. But I want us to know something else about how these people interact with Jesus. How did these people make their needs known to Jesus? How did they present their needs to the one who could heal them? The leper, in the first healing, the leper asked Jesus directly, Lord, if you will, you can make me clean. But secondly, with the centurion, we have someone who is interceding on behalf of another. Jesus, will you heal my servant? And lastly, in the third miracle, there is no indication that Peter nor his mother-in-law ever asked Jesus for anything. He healed this woman simply because it pleased him to do so. We know that God is at work in His world in all different types of situations and with all types of people. Sometimes God is at work when we pray. He's pleased to work when we pray. Sometimes He is pleased to work when we pray for others, when we intercede for the needs of others. And sometimes God is at work when we are doing nothing at all. We should not think for a moment that the work of Jesus is limited by our asking. How scarce, how meager would our lives be if the work of God were limited to what we thought to ask for or by what we were willing to to ask Him for. Divine mercy needs no asking, but yet God in His goodness is pleased to show mercy when we ask Him for mercy. But I want to focus our attention on verse 17. I'll read it again. This was to fulfill what was spoken by the prophet Isaiah, He took our illnesses and bore our diseases. Here Matthew quotes Isaiah 53, 4 from one of the servant songs in the book of Isaiah. Isaiah 53 is one of those passages that we think about on Good Friday. We think about Jesus, the one who was stricken, smitten, and afflicted. 
the one who was crushed for our iniquities. When we think about Isaiah 53, we tend to think about Jesus and His suffering on the cross. But notice what Matthew is doing in this passage. He is connecting the suffering servant to the life of Christ and not only the cross of Christ. Don't miss the point. The entirety of Jesus' life on earth, He was taking our illnesses and bearing our diseases. His whole life was a life of suffering and service to His people. And this verse clarifies what is going on in the previous healings, that these diseases are not simply vanishing in the thin air, that leprosy is not just uh, leaving, paralysis is not vanishing. The sickness in Peter's mother-in-law is not just disappearing. Jesus, in a sense, in a way, is taking those illnesses and those diseases on Himself. The miracles were not just party tricks so that Jesus might be able to prove His divinity. He's not just walking around the streets of Capernaum trying, uh, healing people so that He could attract a crowd. The miracles of Jesus do much more than that. His miracles are a sign of His mission. They are pointing to what He came to earth to do, to reverse all that sin has broken, to reverse all that the fall has caused, to make things right on earth and to redeem for Himself a people for His own glory. In the miracles, Jesus gives us a preview of the world as it was and the world as it will be. These miracles are like a movie trailer that you see before uh, a movie at the theaters. They are small pictures. They are snippets of a full thing that is coming later. Miracles are a preview of a world that is without leprosy and without paralysis, a snapshot of a world that will be completely and forever free of the coronavirus. Miracles which are hors d'oeuvres of a feast that is coming, a visible manifestation of the kingdom of God that Jesus is ushering in. And so what use is this to us today? There could be a tendency in the church in times of crisis uh, for us to exhort one another with things like, you should just trust God in this situation. Stop being anxious. Just have faith and believe that God is in control and he, that He will work all things out. And while those things concerning the character of God are right and true and good, many times what this does is it unknowingly adds a burden to those who are already overwhelmed. It is like telling a drowning person, to learn to swim better. And further, our exhortations to not fear can actually say a lot about us. They actually come from a place of denial rather than faith. We're actually the ones who are afraid, and we are scared to admit it. And other, being around other fearful people it just makes us uncomfortable. So what we really mean when we tell people to not fear is, would you stop making me think about my own latent fears? 
And let's be honest. The world as we know it on March 17th, 2020 is a scary place. These are places we've never been. And we're afraid. But what word of comfort does Matthew 8 give to the one who is anxious and weary and burdened? It is a reminder to you that our Savior is one who is sovereign and holy. He is one who controls all things at all times. But He is also a Savior who knows what it is to suffer. He knows what it is to grieve and to be sad. We have hope not just because our God is sovereign, but because He is one who entered into our sufferings, and He is one who has taken on all of our illnesses and borne all of our diseases. He was a man of sorrows, well acquainted with grief. He was despised, and we esteemed Him not, and surely He has borne our griefs, and He has carried our sorrows. And so to the one who is suffering and anxious and worried, you have a God who is near, who knows what it is like, and who has taken your suffering on Himself. And the one who in His suffering and in His death has defeated all of His and all of our enemies. He is the one who reigns above all disease and disaster. And He is the one who is with you, His child. He is a God whose ears are attentive to your cries for mercy. He is faithful to come to you when you cry out to Him for mercy. He is faithful to listen when you pray for one another. And thanks be to God, He draws near even when we are too afraid to ask or we are too anxious to remember His help. Our God draws near because He loves and cares for His children. And you have a Savior who sits at the right hand of the Father, who ever lives to intercede for His beloved, and one who gives comfortable words to His fearful and anxious children. And He says, come to Me, all you who labor and are heavy laden, and I will give you rest. Take My yoke upon you and learn from Me, for I am gentle and lowly in heart, and you will find rest for your souls. Amen. Let's pray. Lord, take this word, and by your Spirit, would you use it uh, to comfort your children. And we pray this in the name of our Savior Jesus. Amen. You've been listening to audio from the Cathedral Church of the Advent. If you live in Birmingham or find yourself visiting, we hope you'll join us at one of our Sunday services. Find out more at adventbirmingham.org.